News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorker's podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Katie Honan here with Dr. Christina Greer and Harry Siegel. Hey, guys. And Harry is going to jump right in with just some of the news from another jam-packed week in New York City. Hey, Katie. Hey, Chrissy. So, City Council Chair Adrian Adams has kept shaking things up in her second and final term there, not only removing three progressives from their committee chairs, but also abruptly removing Keith Powers and now also Gail Brewer from her leadership team. Meantime, Mayor Eric Adams, no relation, vetoed two different bills that passed the council with veto-proof if they hold supermajorities. One that would require the NYPD to log and keep track of demographic information about so-called lower-level, level-one police investigative interactions, and another that would ban solitary confinement. These will be the second and third laws the council passes over a mayor's veto, and if they override that veto, that'll be three times for this administration after none, no vetoes at all, forget overrides, over eight years in the de Blasio administration as these sorts of fights tended to get hashed out behind closed doors and before potentially controversial votes. So Adams spent a bunch of his weekend campaigning aggressively to try to flip a few votes and uh, build support. In a sense, going public with the fight he'd already lost behind closed doors. It's uh, unusual. And the speaker and the public advocate, Jamani Williams, who introduced both bills, both put out pretty harsh statements criticizing the mayor's moves and indicating they expected the measures to become law, even over City Hall's very aggressive objections, including Adams putting out an animation about how bad for public safety, having to write down what uh, all these stops would be somehow, and inviting critics of the police reporting bill to ride along with cops to find out what things are really like for them. Christy, what's going on here, and how does all this relate to the mayor's record low approval rating? In the emergence of 2025 challengers, including Adams, 2021 foe, and former New York City controller Scott String. Ooh, where do you want to start, Harry? I don't know. I mean, let's start with Scott Stringer and work our way backwards. I I'm still torn as to whether or not everyone else jumps in now that Scott's in. I mean, as I've said before, fortune favors the bold. So if it's going to be a one-on-one matchup in um, a ranked choice voting system, why would other folks want to necessarily sit on the sidelines and possibly hand a victory to Scott Stringer since he's clearly going to present an alternative to, like, say, Upper West Side, Upper East Siders, you know, people who tend to vote in primaries? Like, why wouldn't other folks jump in? I am curious to see what the oppo research and kind of the the negative um talk will be just because we know that Eric Adams doesn't mince words. I mean, as we've seen this past few past week, I guess, with the the match between the mayor and the public advocate, which I think is you remember what two weeks ago I was like, was this just clearing the air and like letting off some steam and then we'll kind of go back to business as usual as like the two of them putting on like a brave face for the rest of the city. Like, yeah, we're good. We're cool. Or is this was this sort of like the mountaintop blowing open and now the lava is spewing out? I now think it's the latter. I wasn't too sure how it was going to go. 
Um, as far as Speaker Adams, Adrian Adams, that is, you know, I like a good shakeup. That's just me. I think a lot of times people get in positions and they just assume that this is what they're supposed to have. So in her power and capacity as Speaker, I'm sort of like, well, if you get to choose who's in charge and who you want as committee heads, then like, that's your job. Just because someone has had the job doesn't mean that they can keep it just because. I don't know. Maybe I feel sensitive about it because I do the scheduling for my department. And there are lots of people who are like, well, I always teach, you know, on Monday, Wednesday at 1 o'clock. And it's like, well, yeah, that's the best teaching time. And just because you always do it doesn't mean you're entitled to it. So sometimes we have to, like, shake it up and have other people do it. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think she's also probably looking forward to setting up what her successor looks like and starting to think seriously about um, what her legacy will be and, and who she wants to possibly pass the baton to. Um, and then the the last part, and I hope we get into this, and I think Katie might have some perspective, is, you know, the shakeup in Harlem. I mean, when we see that Jordan Wright, Keith Wright's son, you know, the architects behind Youssef Salam coming to the city council, when we see that he decides to jump in and challenge Inez Dickens, and then she's like, you know what, I'm tapping out. Um, I do think that we might be in for a really interesting moment with like young people saying, you know, we saw this with the Barons, um, young people saying, listen, just because you've had the seat doesn't mean that it's your seat. And so if we are to have free and fair elections, like I'm allowed to challenge you. I think it is fascinating that several septuagenarians are like, you know what, either I'm going to fight for my seat or I'm going to leave. And Inez Dickens has been a public servant for a very long time. But I do think that, you know, she's smart enough to possibly see that the the political wins, especially the political primary wins in Harlem, may not be in her favor. I think we'll kick it back now to Adams and all this stuff. Well, Adams, which Adams? Mayor Eric L. Adams. I will say briefly on, on the speaker stuff, that what Adrian Adams said was what you said, Chrissy. She's like, no one is entitled forever. And that's you shouldn't go into any appointment with the expectation that this is for the tenure of your term and, you know, her staff was pushing back pretty hard, at least behind the scenes on this idea that this was a total politically motivated shakeup. Um, but now they have a bigger fight on their hands and it's the two vetoes from the mayor, which he announced Friday. Interestingly enough, the first one was in a huge rally, tons of people outside, blue room presser about the how many stops bill. And we were asking, like, so is the mayor going to veto solitary? Is he going to veto solitary? He was noncommittal when he was asked after the presser. Um, and then they put out a press release on that. So then Sunday, they have another press conference focused on solitary, but also focused on the How Many, How Many Stops Act. My question to City Hall and, you know, the, the people working there was, why wasn't this, a, you know, kind of offensive stuff done before the vote? It voted in a veto-proof majority. That doesn't mean the mayor can't flip votes or some of the new people might um, vote in in his favor, vote against these bills. Um, but why wasn't it done beforehand? And their explanation was the legislative process. We do things, you know, there was behind-the-scenes negotiations. We didn't want to interfere publicly about the legislative process, to which I'd answer, why would that stop? It hasn't stopped Eric Adams before. You know, put out your video before Go to the kids' bar mitzvah before. Tell people at a rally before so, so maybe you can actually flip some votes. I, I think it speaks to 
what some might say is a lack of juice from from City Hall's legislative team. You know, you have an intergov team. You're supposed to be doing whatever it takes to, to have people vote in your favor. I think what he's doing now, he said, oh, I met with some council members. He reached out to Yusuf Salam, who's now the uh, policing chair. He didn't confirm who we met with, but he did post a photo on Instagram this weekend of him with Rafael Salamanca, Bronx council member's son. So I'm like, okay, I guess he met with Rafael Salamanca, unless his kid is just hanging out at City Hall without him. This is all the sort of questions that I have. I'm not a legislator. I don't work at Intergov. So maybe it's rude of me to say, why wasn't this done before and what are you guys doing? But I also think it's a legitimate question to ask. We saw some efforts to do this on the final state of the year. You had now former council member Marjorie Velasquez running, darting in and out of the um, Republican office, figuring out maybe she would try to get enough votes to make an amendment to the How Many Stops bill. It didn't work. Yeah. I mean, you speak to the speaker's team. They say the mayor doesn't do it. Anything is possible with people flipping with what you can promise them, especially when you have some control of the budget. But I just don't get it. I don't get why. You know, I've read some of the hidden replies to my tweets. You know, someone called me a communist this week, Mm-mm. said I want a communist mayor. Someone was like, oh, how can the mayor bargain with petulant children? I get it. You could hate the city council, and and there's a lot to criticize individually and as a body, but from the mayor's side, it's just politics. You start whipping votes early. You see who's vulnerable, and you say, maybe we can give you more money. What you know? I, that's just pol- And that's sort of the dirty side of politics we write about, but didn't seem like any of that happened when it was necessary. But as for Scott Stringer, one other, I, I see, we'll see what he brings to the table, but I also sometimes think like, and you know, Scott would love to come on the podcast. We should have him on. And I, 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 not to give him an early example of a question, but it's like, what, at any point did you think, all right, maybe it's time for me to just let it go. It's time for someone else to run. Well, I feel like that's the larger question of the subtext that we we've been talking about right now because it directly ties to Adrian Adams and the committees it directly ties to Harlem and Keith Wright and Inez Dickens right it's just like if we say time and time again every single election we've got low turnout why don't people participate in municipal elections every year the percentage of new yorkers who participate in municipal elections decreases is it because it's just musical chairs of like the same folks. And I've said this before. It's like, I think Gail Brewer is like a, a public servant's public servant. I hope that she goes down in history as one of the great New Yorkers. I hope that there are streets on the Upper West Side named after her. That being said, why is it, as someone who's trying to inspire young people to get into politics, all they're seeing is people who run and run and run. And when people run and lose, it's like, well, maybe the city was like, we don't want you, Scott. Maybe that's what they're saying. He's saying, well, they said at that time, but that's not, that doesn't mean that they're going to say it in 2025. They said in 2021 when it came in fourth, but they might change their minds because of Eric Adams and his 28% approval rating. That very well may be, may be the case. And sure, he's allowed to run, but it's like, what is the, and I'm not a politician, so I don't know the calculus of what goes into someone's mind when they look in the mirror and they say, listen, I should be the one to lead the city. Like, I should be the one to run against a sitting mayor, as opposed to low-key doing what Keith Wright said. Keith Wright was like, I shouldn't be the one to run for city council. Let me go and find somebody who's going to do it, who's a little bit younger, who might have some new and fresh ideas. We know time and time again, all the studies show us when you bring in someone new, sometimes they can see parts of the problem that you have not seen. This is like, I mean, 
Harry and I did it. We brought in Katie. Like, <laughs> Katie sees things about the city that we just, at a certain point in time, you need. Am I the new uh, blood? <laughs> you, are, you are the new energy. I mean, like, l- real talk. Yeah, you are. You know, like, so it doesn't get stale and sag. I mean, you know, in sitcoms, they bring in a baby and then the baby, be, you know, becomes like part of the yeah, show. I've been watching, like, I've been watching Who's the Boss and they brought that little kid. Was uh, it Little Billy or Everyone whatever? does it. You remember Cosby Show brought in, you know, Pam from the ghetto, you know, like <laughs> Modern Family, they had a baby. You know, everybody has a baby. But you just need a new, you need a plot, you need a new storyline. And it's like, New York City needs a new storyline. And it could and should be, I think, someone who doesn't necessarily have 30 plus years of experience. You can have some experience, which I well, I would hope you would have, but it's just like, where is the yearning for someone who's, you know, been a public servant for so long and then the city's like, okay, well, we're good. We don't want you anymore. And then it's like, now I'm back. It's like, why? Why can't you use your knowledge, skills, talents to help mentor and foster a new generation so that we can have like a new New York City. That's the piece that's so frustrating for me. Um, And I'm not going to put it all on men, but you know, they are disproportionately, uh, they wake up in the morning and look at the mirror and it's like, oh, I should do it. Why? Who asked? I I got a lady to add to the mix. So if there's something happening in the Upper East Side and Upper West Side waters, even at this moment where it seems like you have some democracy re-emerging within the open democracy and within New York City's Democratic Party, where everything isn't sort of getting predetermined behind closed doors. Uh, people are stepping up and saying, I'm going to run for this office, despite the office holder who's there. Uh, the mayor doesn't want this, but he's failed to convince us. We're going to pass this over him. One reason, by the way, he might have pushed harder on the police reporting bill is that it was only a super majority of veto-proof one by two votes. We did just have this council election. There's a handful of new members, including Youssef Salam, who's now chair of the public safety committee. He put out a really strong statement with Adrian Adams saying, no, this is this is a good bill. Nothing is changing. And uh, despite the mayor's propaganda, their phrase. Uh, but Carolyn Maloney is who I wanted to bring in here, yeah. who uh, you know lost to uh, Nadler after their districts were smushed together. Democrats have fought and fought and fought in court a whole number of ways, including changing the composition of New York State's highest court in order to like try and get new maps drawn. And she's saying, maybe, maybe I'm going to run again. If there's a district that looks like my old district, right? Voters just rejected her. She's in her 70s. Like, is it that some of these people just don't have any idea what else to, to do? And they're very used to looking in the mirror and saying, you know, it's me. I'm that guy or gal, as the case may be. Chrissy knows what it is. She came up with the absolute greatest term for it a few weeks ago, talking about the Cuomos. Chrissy, I'll do you the honors. They are raised in captivity. I don't understand. And maybe it's because I'm tired of working and I'm not even 50 yet. But it's like, I don't understand. You are 77 years old, Carolyn. Why do you want this? Right? Like, sure. I'm sure a lot of these electeds have other talents. You may not know what it is, but like, this is a time for reinvention. You can do other things. I just don't understand why at 77, you're not looking at who in all my years of public service have I mentored, have I poured into that I can now elevate to do the work and continue my legacy. Like we're looking at cold dead hands now all of a sudden. Like, I mean, you know I love Charlie Bengals. I love me some Charlie Bengals. But like, let's be 1,000%. Who, 
Charlie Rangel stayed for 46 years. When you add up Charlie Rangel and Adam Clayton Powell, we are almost at 80 years of the same leadership in the same district. So how does that help anyone want to be inspired to like get into politics, right? You have all these people who are beneath these electeds who are just professionally in a holding pattern. We've seen it time and time again. It trickles down all the way to the lowest levels. And so, Carolyn Maloney, like, who's who's hankering for a Carolyn Maloney to jump back in? And why is it that so many of these formerly elected individuals aren't interested in mentorship and passing the baton and elevating someone else to run for the seat? I just don't get it. Who, uh, does anyone come to mind? He's right. would actually be one obvious example here. But who is working on building maybe Adrian Adams with pushing out some of the council members who are going to go and, and elevating ones who are going to remain after uh, this next election and some folks are term limited out. But who's actually building a bench? And have we had any mayor who's made efforts to do that? Because I can't think of one. And, you know, obviously, if we're just talking about Democrats, we just have de Blasio and Adams. But it's hard for me to think of the, the people who have actually thought about generational success as opposed to the next election and just sort of holding their positions. Well, here's the example I used to use when I first started teaching this many, many moons ago. The example I would use was Chuck Schumer because his big mentee was Anthony Weiner. So, and I was, you know, I would explain like, okay, we've got a U.S. Senator and now we have a, a Congressman and, you know, like look at the district and it's a complicated district and it can be a little conservative, but blah, blah, blah. That was the example I used to use. Obviously that example is tired. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Katie, who you got? I think there are these groups, you know, there's different political organizations. There's something, you know, like... Okay, not organizations. Who, what elected has been in office who is actively mentoring young people and has stepped aside and has another, and I'm not saying that this person doesn't exist, but I'm just like, hey, listeners, write in, write Harry. Um, who, who has actively done it that we can, that we can really see? But you know what's interesting? I think when, when people do this, right, you think of, oh, um, it's when they're term limit. It's like when they don't. Right. It's like when they're ready. Like, I don't think there's an active thing of like, I also just think some people don't know. And it's not just politicians. A lot of humans don't know when to let it go. Yeah. And I think, I I believe I've shared this story on the podcast before, but I can't really remember. But down in Somos in 2021, I was chatting with Gifford Miller, who was former speaker of the city council. And I was telling him how that year, because there were so many people running that meant there were so many losers and for so many for some reason that really hit me emotionally where I felt bad for everybody and he was like don't feel bad you know this is what what happens when you run and he said some people just really need a, a really bad loss to hammer home that they shouldn't run and he goes you know when I ran for mayor in 05 and I was like you ran for mayor in 05 <laughs> exactly but that was someone and he comes you know there's different everyone has different life circumstances but I was like more people should kind of recognize it's time to go. I had this really radical idea where I think when you become eligible to vote, everyone should be given a card of like, all right, you could run for office eight times. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always tell people, don't be the last one to leave the party, especially yeah. if it's not your party, right? And you're not best friends with the host. Like, and I think that so many people are like sticking around at the party too long where it's like, now you start to ruin your legacy. Yeah. 
yeah, there's that. And I'd be interested to have a longer conversation with Scott Stringer about it and what's been up the last two years. You know, anyone else you might want to run. Um, you know, Carolyn Maloney, aren't you enjoying life now? I mean, I look at people in, in D.C. in Congress. I'm like, don't you guys want to just, like, kick it with your grandkids? I mean, my parents are in their late 70s, and all they want to do is just, like, spend time with, like, their kids and grandkids. They're just like, this is, you know, like, you're in the last quarter, y'all. When like, did some of these people start working for the city? Some of them might be, like, tier one retirees. That's a right. pretty good life with a tier one pension. Right. Now, before we shift gears, I'm just going to throw something out there that's slightly controversial. Uh-oh. Katie, why do you still have a Christmas tree up? Me? <laughs> we are recording. It's a they don't know. 22nd. The listeners don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. Now this is egregious. Like we're talking about septuagenarians running. Now I gotta put things on Front Street. Katie. I got the Carolyn Maloney Christmas trees. I won't Listen, put it away. I mean, basically, you are literally like the it's Maloney like a Jerry Cuomo. Nadler of Christmas trees. <laughs> just wheel the Christmas tree in. I just don't understand. I, I understand the three kings folks. I understand the eat. Ethiopian Orthodox folks who just, like, they keep it up sure, January 10th. January 15th, I might even give you a little MLK takedown. It is January 22nd, Katie. What are Is this like me and my Halloween pumpkin where I just keep it until it evaporates? I just literally threw out some pumpkins yesterday, and I felt so badly because they were still, like, nice and taut. Um, I've well, had that's them, gross. I just See, like to wait until they, like... They, but they didn't get soft, so they were still hard. But I was like, okay, now... It is January. Let it go. But Katie, when, when, what's the plan? Listeners, is, is yes. going to be a Black tree History up. Month tree? What's going on? Are you just going to start putting pictures of like famous Black Americans on the tree? <laughs> this first off, it's fake, right? I'm like, you're real pumpkins. Oh. This isn't rotting. Oh. <laughs> I did put it up after Thanksgiving. I. It's a mix of laziness. But okay. then I just love looking at it. I wake up okay. in the morning and I plug it in. I have all my little holiday cards that it people is, sent me. It is lit up. I have a good friend who is keeping her fake tree up through Easter. She's going to put eggs on it. Oh. So you know okay, what? Okay, so it's I'm nice. tree shaming. And you know what? If it brings you joy, that's all that matters. I wake up. I look at it. I turn it on. I look. But you're right. I, I should. I thought yesterday I was going to take them down. But then I ran errands. And then I was sitting around watching movies. And I didn't take it down. And No, I, re- yeah. I, rescind, I rescind my critique. I absolutely do. You know what? You think I had a live, like a three-month-old tree? Just well, I, was that's I was like, I hope like, she's watering that thing because it's going <laughs> to light up. No, it's um, fake. Okay. I like a fake tree because it's – I used to get only real trees, but this tree is really nice. But you know what? And I think this is – and maybe maybe I'm contradicting myself when it comes to Maloney and Brewer and, and Cuomo and Stringer and the whole lot of them. I guess if running brings you joy – if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. But um, see, this this brings me joy and no one else is involved in it. You know what I mean? Right, right. You're not. That's the difference. It's not the Titanic. Me having my tree up isn't taking away from anyone else. Right. Tis true. Harry? Um, what else did we miss? Besides yeah, our 28% approval rating. Trees. Um, I, I, so the the theme for this episode, and I think we should we should read this out loud. And uh, this can be our closer comes from the great Jonathan Richmond, whose lyrics keep coming to mind for very different reasons um, these last few weeks. Um, But uh, he's got an excellent song about parties like you'd go to with your friends, like a Christmas party that may just apply to what we've been saying about the Democratic Party and the people who think these seats 
belong to them. So I know Adam Kamara, the coward, our engineer, is not going to let us just simply use his audio correctly, um, since we don't have the rights to it. But I think we can share these lyrics with you and use that as our close. Well, if you want to leave our party, just go right away. There's no need to be polite and just stay, just for appearances. Well, there'll be no criminations next day, next day, nor will there be hurt feelings. If you want to leave the party, just go. We won't mind. Just go. This ain't school. No hurt feelings. Just go. Just go. F-A-Q. FAQ NYC is part of the city, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard hitting journalism that serves the people of New York. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to support our work is by setting up a monthly recurring donation by going to thecity.nyc/slash give. As ever, FAQ's work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc. The pod also receives support from PT Knitwear, an independent bookstore, cafe, and event space on Manhattan's Lower East Side, with a podcast studio that can be freely reserved for community use. The podcast is a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists, and is affiliated with the Colin Powell School at CUNY's City College, where I am one of the Moynihan Public Scholars inaugural fellows. Our hosts for this episode were me, Dr. Christina Greer, Katie Honan, and Harry Siegel, who's also our executive producer. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind, be cool, be warm, and we'll be back soon with more. <laughs>